So that's where the spiritual side helped me. It caused me to realize that one, things don't always happen on our timing. Two, that the end result may be different than what you had envisioned for yourself. In addition to that, the last piece would be to not be so controlling. Hello everyone, it is me, Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist, here with a special in-studio edition of the Richard Listens podcast. Thank you to all of you who've been connected to the show and its various uh, iterations since 2017, and uh, wishing you all who celebrate a happy new year and an easy fast. This month, uh, we have uh, Suicide Awareness Month. Uh, please... Uh, public service announcement, keep an eye out for those you care about the most, or if you notice any change in moods, behaviors, uh, feel free to ask the difficult questions or reach out to your local mental health professional or send me a private message and I will direct you as best I can. Uh, today, we continue with our theme of exploring the journey of the inner athlete. And uh, like I was telling our guest before we bring him on, uh, it is just always my pleasure to see how uh, the journey of the last few years uh, through COVID and how resilient resiliency shows up. And today we'll talk about uh, the unexpected and being who you are and uh, the amazing journey of going from club soccer locally, finding uh, the journey to the fields of UCLA and what that takes as a passionate soccer player. Uh, without further ado, my guest today, Mr. Oshia Foster. He spent his freshman year at University of San Diego. He was an all WCC honorable mention and W West Coast Conference. Is that correct? All freshman team honoree. He appeared in all 16 games for the Toreros with eight starts, totaling three goals and six points. He was tied for third on the team in goals. He was named WCC Player of the Week after scoring goals in back-to-back -back games against Loyola Marymount and Portland. He recorded 27 shots on the year with 17 going on the frame. He is a graduate of John Muir High School here in Pasadena, California, and he was a two-time first-team all-conference selection, recording 24 goals and 10 assists over 10 games during his junior season. He also ran track at John Muir High School, winning a C CIF championships in both the 800 meters and 4x400 relay and named to the honor roll, most importantly, <laughs> and a tribute to his mother, uh, Lanye? Lanye. Lanye. Lanye Foster, uh, who's a dear friend, um, and a tribute to her parenting, of course, and his father, Kevin. Uh, he has four siblings who you'll see at all his events uh, in some rotation. Uh, their names are Jasher, Uriah, Judah, and Esther, who we have seen. We'll talk about her key ingredient messages at halftime. Uh, <laughs> Jasher is a member of the track team at Oklahoma, and Oshia has chosen to attend UCLA because of the location, coaching expertise, high-level soccer, and familial environment. He admires his, is this your favorite soccer player, Rafael Leo? Leao. Leao, yeah. the Brazilian Leao. And his hobbies and interests include drawing, playing the ukulele, hiking, and exploring. And we're going to hear, hopefully, this story of how he has pet a wild bear before. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, welcome, Oshia. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So 
Where should we start? I mean, multiple sport athlete. Uh, did you did you always know that it would be soccer that you'd be pursuing at the next level? In all honesty, I did not. Um, soccer was always one of my my loves because of just its creativity, and I felt it was so open ended. Um, but track and field was always up there until I made my decision come the end of high school. I'm laughing because, you know, I got to watch several of your games at the club level. And I always, you know, thought when you were like outrunning the entire team, like, you know, the track skills were clearly coming into play. <laughs> uh, and, and, and yet we know a lot with kinesiology now. That, that, do you feel any of that training helped you uh, as, a, as a soccer player? Absolutely. Um, it was something that I denied at first because I didn't enjoy track and field. Um, the thing about track and field is that the workouts are never fun. Unlike other sports, the practices can be fun as well as the games for track and field. It's, it's not the case. Um, so at first I was in denial about that, about, <laughs> it, um, about the way it would help you in other sports. But for sure, it, it builds your endurance as well as your running technique, which makes you run faster and quicker. So a huge help. Now, how much credit do we have to give to your mom? Because I know, as, as Esther says, she's got many trophies in the cabinet as well. Yeah. Was track her sport? Uh, track was her sport. Uh, she was an athlete in that, one, in that sense. She ran the 200 and she ran the 400 as well. Um, it's another one of those things where she would tell me, you'll thank me later. And I've yet, <laughs> <laughs> I could thank her now, but I, I've chose to hold off on that. Uh, for the right moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm waiting for that. Um, but for sure, she's been, she's been essential in that area and many others in my life. So does it help in terms of understanding preparation, commitment, um, you know, just in terms of knowing your parent has competed like how what ways do you think consciously or unconsciously having a model in the family helps you knowing that she's competed is a help because when she says things like i know how you feel or i know what you're going through you can trust that um and secondly there's a greater appreciation i feel when she would come out to my um to my track meets, but also in other sports, that there's an investment piece there where she's she's been through it, she knows it. So <laughs> not only when I'm going through something tough, but when I have my successes, she knows that feeling as well. And I think it's, my favorite thing is when my family's in the crowd, um, particularly my mom, because her being able to really empathize with those moments is is huge for me. Yeah, I mean, I want to I come back to this, um, but I got to witness, I mean, you can recall maybe better than I can, a streak where, where you were playing really quite well, but I guess the, the ball wasn't going in the back of the net. And I, I mean, I don't know what that's like in soccer. I know in basketball, like we expect to score a certain amount of points. Soccer, there's not even that many goals scored. But uh, I remember seeing the visible frustration <laughs> that it was just missing, you know, hitting the post. Uh, what was that like? Um, maybe you could reflect if you remember what that streak was. Then all of a sudden it felt like the rest of the season, like things seemed to come a lot easier. What was that like internally? And, you know, how was she through that process? Because I could, I could feel like the collective <laughs> sigh in the stands 
<laughs> the whole the whole extended family wanted to see the goal go in. <laughs> it's true. It's a weird feeling because all of it's there, right? Whether it's the dribbling piece or the shooting piece, um, all the pieces are there. But in the end, you just feel so unlucky because when it hits that post, it's a matter of inches, whether you're up a goal or it's still 0-0. Zero, zero. Um, but when it happens over and over and over again, you start to wonder. You're like, well, okay, what's going on? You know? Um, and it's just one of those things where you have to keep persevering, but it helps so much to know you have someone in your corner who sees the same thing, who's been through some similar circumstances of coming just shy of the benchmark you're trying to hit, um, and then being able to spur you on as well. And then maybe having that, that, that belief in you that you don't quite have, um, it's huge. It's it's huge. It's everything. Right. What's that like? Because I'm sure. So what happens? The, the negative self-talk starts to creep in or what happens when the results aren't coming? Right. It's it's very easy to think that it's not just unlucky, but you don't have what it takes because you think if someone's unlucky so many times, at what point do you think it's not luck? that it's not fortune, but it's just something that they're lacking, right? Um, and it well, takes... we all have, like, you know, all these biases, right? The recency right. bias. We're only looking at what happened so a short period of time, right? Right. And that's the thing as well, is uh, you're referencing shots that didn't go in. And when you focus on that, you just think, I'm missing. I'm missing goals. I'm missing goals. But there's so much that leads up to it that's fantastic play that can't be disregarded. It can't be just put aside because that's how you set yourself up to be in a good position to score. So it's a matter of not focusing too much right on the one negative piece of it and realizing all the good work that you put in to get yourself in that position and to know that a breakthrough is going to come. You don't know when it's going to come and that part is tough, but it's going to. And that's what you have to hold on to. Um, and that's where my mom comes into play as well is, you know, when you start to, when you start to waver a little bit, she's there to be able to. Right. Cause if you tell yourself negative things or you reach a level of stress where let's say you stop shooting or some other ways, which athletes may start to, um, their performance starts to decline if they're telling themselves negative stories or they get so much pressure. I have to have that result. Right, this is baseball, right? People, players get into slumps. Oh, they could have gotten hit ten in a row, and now they're over their last eight. If I don't get a hit this next time, what's going to happen? Right. So your muscles tense up, like all these things start to happen physiologically. So what keeps you in that place of letting it go and just getting ready for the next match? Especially in soccer, so like you don't get a break. You can't go in between innings. You don't get in between plays and football. Yeah, that's a, it's a, no, it's true because it keeps going, even though it slows and it picks up speed and tempo at times. It's it's a continuously moving sport, um, which is one of the things I enjoy about it. But when it comes to trying to refocus yourself and stay on task or on the job of continuing to play, continuing to work hard, continuing to trying to get that goal, for me, I have to constantly remind myself of why I play the game itself. Um, and winning is a huge factor. Scoring goals is a huge factor. But one thing that I realized maybe a year or two ago was that 
I enjoy the game. And like I said earlier, because of the creativity and because of the open-endedness of it. So mm-hmm. I've come to the point where I can enjoy playing in a match where I can feel proud of myself playing in a match, even if I'm not scoring or getting an assist. But if I am working my hardest, if I felt that I was mentally sharp, and if I felt that I was being creative, I wasn't limiting myself to thinking, complete the pass, score the goal, um, you know, whatever else is a piece of the game. It's, it's about enjoying yourself at the end of the day. And for me, that's what that looks like. Um, it's working hard, being creative, and being mentally there, I think. Yeah, this is crucial. So maybe talk, to, you said two really important things. One, I really need to make sure I'm enjoying this. <laughs> and what I love is this, is it is it an internal feeling of creativity? Like what things trigger this experience that create, you know, there's a lot of research on creativity and flow, right? What, what creates that for you internally where you're like, oh, right? Is it, is it where I'm creating opportunities for teammates? Is it the, just the movement of the ball? Like, where do you get that experience from? Or, or what parts of it are in your control? For me, it's, and I realize this, I realize the wording of it, I think, since I've arrived to UCLA, but it's, it's a piece of problem solving uh, within the game. So for me as a forward player, my job is looking to find space in which to receive the ball. So during the game, during the flow of it, while the ball is moving, while, while players are moving, one thing, the creativity piece that I enjoy is finding space. So that requires me, while the ball is moving left and right, players are moving, to be looking at where the ball is and checking my shoulder, seeing where the space is. And when I'm able to problem solve, he comes towards me, I move away from him into space and receive the ball. It's those little things that, that give me that feeling. Um, when I'm able to solve problems that I'm facing in the game. And that doesn't always look like scoring a goal, but it's simply finding space. Or maybe it's finding a way to get a ball to someone, whether it's in the air, on the ground, through his legs, things like that. But it's that problem solving. Now you're speaking my language. You went, so we went to creativity, which is art, and then you, you kind of phrase it in a, in a mathematical, analytical space. But it's really true. It's a game of if you can bring three defenders to you, well, there's less in a different space. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to find an angle and a shot at a goal, right? How many how many shots on a Division One top level? How many do they get per game for the team? I think oh. the last game we had was a really successful game, and we had thirteen, which was a lot. Normally, you're probably looking at seven at most. Right. So you know, you think about that, and then of that quality, you're usually you know half of that four probably four. on target. Right, so creating you know the, these situations where you have an advantage, um, or you have more space to attack, the right. better chances, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. That's really what it's about. So that's fascinating, like to be in the moment and, and what it's like, right? Just to be creating, right? All it takes is right an extra step to get the shot off, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of art and interests, so you have many other interests. So how do you balance out? And from what age did you discover, you know, drawing and the ukulele? I mean, how do you keep it all together for, for a young man? I maybe from, I can't remember the exact age that I was, but my earliest memories of my 
artistic nature um, came when I would tinker with uh, with remote control toys, whether it be like a helicopter or a remote control car, because I always liked taking things apart and seeing how they worked. Um, so it first came that way, I'd take apart RC cars and things of that nature. And from realizing how things worked, I come to realize how they were put together. And from there, um, I started working with crafts, um, popsicle sticks, things of that nature. And I don't know, the idea of, <laughs> the idea of creating something yourself um, was something that I just found so much joy in. Was this fun or an art class? Or no, this was, <laughs> this was purely for fun. Um, I just, yeah, that sense of joy from being able to build something up yourself from practically nothing, um, only from your, your mind, right? First the concept and then being able to actually put it into practice. Um, <laughs> I had many that didn't work out, many popsicle stick stru- structures that would crumble, but the ones that would hold strong, um, I, would, <laughs> I would set them up around the house and with so much pride just looking at them. What's the key ingredient? Solid glue? Oh yeah, hot glue. A ton of it. <laughs> More hot glue than actual popsicle sticks, but... Uh, so glue gun necessary, yeah, yeah, yeah. crucial, crucial. <laughs> um, but art um, drawing is where I settled, and I think it was just more accessible than any other tinkering or things of that nature. But it's just it's a huge outlet for me because of it's a creativity aspect, but less phys- less mentally demanding. I think like when you're on the field and you're having to work physically your body and then your mind mentally to solve problems uh, as much fun as it is it's taxing right um so i found that drawing was a way that i can still be expressive and artistic without the demand on the physical and the mental yeah do you find as you commit more you know hours on the field and practice at this level um especially since arriving at the top top programs division one ucla there's times for your other hobbies how do you how do you keep them around so far there has been since school is yet to start (laughs) um but as school rolls around it's going to be more difficult for sure but i find that last year when i was at san diego uh school was actually a nice substitute for uh the ukulele or drawing because it was just a way to Creativity may have been hindered a little bit in the academics, but it was still a way to exercise um, my mind in a way that was less demanding, I think, than on the field. Um, whether it be a school project that required you to do some reading and critical thinking, um, it was in a more passive sense, right? There was no pressure of having to do it in a certain amount of time within five seconds or 10 seconds while you're on the field and you need to make a decision. You know, you had time to do it, whether it be days or weeks. So it's less pressure, but still exercising in the mind I think. yeah i mean you're i'm just thinking about like i mean to be when you're when you're taxing your breath like you're under stress out there like how do you keep calm and keep your mind focused is it just all the hours of cardio conditioning that, that make it that you're able to handle it um yeah how do you stay in that moment of staying creative and not respond to the scoreboard it's, it's the training for sure, uh, the cardio or whatnot, 
but it's also trusting yourself, knowing that you've put the hours into it and not overthinking it. Um, you really have to rely on muscle memory that you've been in this scenario thousands of thousands of times and you know what to do. Um, it's, I mean, it's really that simple, um, but it can be over, it can be overcomplicated, excuse me, um, to think that I need to do this. I need to check my shoulder. I need to have a good first touch. I need to make sure I play his right foot. I need to make sure, you know, all of these things, but just to breathe and remember that you've been doing this for so long, almost just let your, like, let yourself do it. That's right. It's almost automatic. Right. Right. And the tricky part is just relaxing and trusting yourself. Um, And I find myself in that scenario where I forget that I've done this so many times. And as a result, um, the quality of play takes a toll because you're overthinking it or you're thinking that I need to do this, 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 as if you haven't done it thousands of times. Yeah, so trusting yourself for sure is is a huge piece. Right, it's crucial because on the one hand, right, preparation and going over the steps is important. On the other hand, in the moment, it doesn't serve us if it if we respond to it. So I want to take a step back for a minute because you know I was sharing with you before we started today about uh, a car ride that we were able to to share during COVID and this whole crazy time for athletics with no recruiting. Um, you know, I just think it's, you know, really incredible and I'm just, uh, you know, just so excited for you, the, the journey and what, what has it been like, you know, first to get that call in San Diego and whatever you're willing and then to trust yourself enough to then put yourself back out there, uh, you know, in the portal and, and arrive and, and yet now on the bigger stage have to deal with some of the players who are ahead of you seniority wise. So how, how's the whole journey been and whatever you're willing to tell us about all of it. <laughs> <laughs> One step at a time. Yeah. Well, like you said, when I, when I take a step back and look at it, it's truly unbelievable because where I am now is where I envision myself um, back when we were in that car on that ride. But it was... To come from Pasadena and wind up at UCLA is... I mean, it was a dream. It was a dream that I felt was attainable. However, it was the highest dream that I had. And I think there's a little part of us that knows that it's not likely to occur, even though we believe it can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad I kind of held on to it um, because my journey has been a testament to the fact that we can achieve our goals even though they may not looked or we may not have gotten there as we initially imagined. Um, so I took a bit of a detour, if you will, but in the end, I'm where I envisioned myself or where I hoped I'd be. Um, but the initial move to San Diego, um, where I was for my first collegiate year, was a stressful one, to say the least, because I committed very late in the process. Um, I believe it was a month or two at most before we had to report to campus for training camp. And I always felt that I was a player that could play at the Division One level, but it takes a toll on the mental when no one's reaching out or no Division One, none of the 200 plus Division One colleges are reaching out to you. Um, and, you know, to show that, show a faith that, yeah, you probably can play at this and level. And the brain doesn't separate 
or you, how could you know this is COVID and this is the situation and there's players with a fifth year of eligibility? Like it's this rare time frame in history. Exactly. But individually, it's hard to make sense of that. All you know is the phone isn't ringing. Exactly. Like they don't want me. Mm. Um, but that's another thing where my family and my mom specifically came into play where I'd say I was playing well and then they'd be able to corroborate that and they'd be able to say, yeah, you are playing well. Um, and for me to just keep pushing and to keep sending out my emails to the various coaches. Um, How many did you send? Probably 50 plus. Okay. 50 plus emails. Um, and for me, I was, I don't know, I was like 17 at the time. And it was a completely new process for me. Um, I felt that if I was the quality player that I thought I was, they would reach out to me. So it felt a little weird that I was reaching out to them, but I understood that's just the way that it was. So I, I buckled down and I did it. Um, and finally, I got some responses back. Um, few of them turned out to be void. Um, a couple just stopped responding, which can also be discouraging because uh, you don't know why they stopped responding. But they did. Um, but eventually, San Diego was one that reached out and they wanted me to come to campus to participate in an ID camp where me, along with other players, they could see play and firsthand see what they can do. Which for our listeners is one of the ways that colleges get to see you in the winter or summer season, right? In a more controlled environment as opposed to um, just playing in a game. They could see you doing drills, um, passing patterns, things of that nature. Um, And then following that, there was another two weeks of radio silence where I guess they were deliberating whether they should uh, take a chance on me or not, but eventually they did. And they were the only school um, that reached out and that actually had a formal offer to give me. So I pounced on the opportunity. Um, and I was happy for it because it was close enough to home, about two, two and a half hours um, in San Diego, location you can't go wrong with. <laughs> um, it was a smaller school, which I think was better for me in my first year. Uh, and then I had a teammate who went there as well. So I was able to go in there already knowing someone, which made it a ton uh, easier. Um, you hear about that at all levels of sports, right? Knowing knowing somebody on the team, knowing you have a relationship, big comfort zone yeah. every day on the practice field. Absolutely. And it was, it was even better because... Um, you don't always have the best relationships with players. I didn't have a bad one uh, with any of the players at the club team, but I think with this particular player, um, it was it was a strong relationship, which made it even even better uh, for myself. But I mean, the first year didn't go smoothly, at least um, or as I envisioned. Um, it was but a you rough. Found your way, so you found your way into the starting lineup. I did after about halfway through the season. Um, I was persistent. And some things went in my favor, and I was able to see the field. And I took advantage of it. Um, I gave it my all. I worked hard out there, and I stayed in for the rest of the season. And it, all in all, it was a good first year. Uh, it started off very rough, for which I leaned. I leaned on my mother, but I also had to lean strongly into my faith, um, which is a key key practice for you. Absolutely. Um, because I realized that of my own merit, I wasn't able to do it. I could be as strong as I wanted to, um, but there's a piece of it where you have to relinquish the things that you can't control 
to someone who can control it. Um, this is an important message for no matter what career or sport you play, is that there's only a certain amount of talent, preparation, uh, in any given situation, control that you have. And yet as athletes, we want to control as much as possible. And so being in this place of discovery or finding internal resources, creative resources, spiritual resources, um, it's a gift that you either had that internally or that you're able to find it through the, through the hardship. It's almost like the hardship teaches you that you need those things. Right. And it was, it was crucial. Um, that it was a hardship, I think, because in the grand scheme of things, the situation wasn't as bad as it could have been, right? But it was bad enough where it forced me, it pushed me towards the spiritual, which is what I needed, um, which is why now I can look at it and say it was a perfect first year in terms of uh, difficulties and trials, but also blessings and, and success. Mm. Uh, so so did you find a place to practice down there or teammates or is your spiritual practice more internal did you find a a local church or how did you adapt uh, I found a local church which was a good place to kind of rest on the weekend if you will Um, but it came it came internally it came internally Um, I'm a Christian so reading the Bible daily is something that I have to do in order to strengthen myself in the faith, but it's also a good way to start the day for me because it it's a reminder of it's a reminder of how I've gotten to where I am. Um, hard work for sure, dedication absolutely. The hours get put in, but like we said, there's a part of it that we cannot control, um, and if we try to, it'll drive us crazy, which it was driving me crazy. Um, but when I came to that realization and I was able to relinqu- relinquish that side of it uh, to God, the higher power, um, it was more freeing. I was able to play that role of the hard worker, of the athlete, putting in those hours with, uh, with a more liberated mindset. So, yeah, I, I guess I want to figure out how to figure out what was the messages you received in the spiritual search like, what were a few takeaways? Because I think this is really important for a lot of athletes when you're starting to personalize and you're starting to feel like, why are they not seeing me, picking on me? Like, when we start having those kind of thoughts or feelings or why is it's not fair, right? Why does it have to be so hard? What did you, know, what did you get about uh, hard work or what kind of thoughts or messages did you get that kept you persevering? One was that things don't always happen in our timing um, because we can only see so much of the grand scheme while you can see all of it. Another was actually that my goals for myself may not be the goals that he has for me, which doesn't necessarily mean that the goals that he has for me are any less than the ones that I have. So me envisioning myself coming in, starting my first game, scoring 30 goals in 20 games. Um, was, that the, was, that the, was that it? Or? It was something it was like unlimited. That. It, it was, was something along those lines. Okay. Um, 
Just because. That's just what, just for anyone watching, you know, a goal a game is. I don't think Messi averages that. Does no, he no, doesn't. So, okay, I, this I, is I, who we're talking. About. <laughs> uh, breaking breaking ceilings. I, I was setting the bar high, um, but the spiritual <laughs> well side said of it. for a track star. Well said. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it it caused me to realize that my vision for myself wasn't always the best vision. And that what may be even better than my vision for myself um, is the way that we get to that, that end goal, if that makes sense. So that's where things differed. Starting by the end of the season was a goal of mine, but it didn't look like not playing at all for the first half of the season or being six string forward for the first half of the season um, or any of the other quarrels and difficulties that I had within that team. But nonetheless, the end result was the same. And I think I grew more so than if I were to just start right off the bat and relationships were fantastic and everything else was golden. Um, so that's where the spiritual side helped me. It caused me to realize that one, things don't always happen on our timing. Uh, two, that the end result may be different than what you had envisioned for yourself. And I think in addition to that, the last piece would be to not be so controlling, um, to not want to be so controlling, to be content and satisfied with giving 100% and leaving it at 100%. Not looking and searching, what more can I do? What more can I do? Knowing that you did all that you can and that whatever else happens, it's going to be okay. Because if you do all that you can, then what more can you do? Yeah, I mean, especially in a team sport, right? You could be putting the ball right in front of the goal with the best strikers in the world, and they could be missing, and your team could be losing. And yet, right, you could have a significant impact on the game, you know, and be utilizing all these skills. But it's very hard not to look at results. Right. Yeah, it's, it's it's very difficult. And I think that's another thing that I've come to learn um, just throughout my years is that I can be satisfied with a complete performance. I can be satisfied with, with my work knowing that it was all that I gave. So there were games where, games in the past when I was younger, um, maybe more like 15, 16 or so, where I would have a good game but I wouldn't score a goal or I wouldn't have an assist. And I felt that I had come short. I felt that, that I didn't have a good game. But now I'm able to realize that goal or not, if I can reflect on my time on the field and confidently say that I gave it my all, that I worked my hardest, that I was mentally there the whole time, that I was working my best with my teammates, communicating with them, that I was taking advice while I was on the field, then I should be able to leave that field feeling like it was an A-plus performance. Because if you're able to leave a field knowing those things, the next time you're on the field, you're only going to do better. Um, and I think that's crucial because we're not always going to score three goals a game or 50 points a game if you're playing basketball or have a home run a game. Like it's not always going to be the yeah, case. You're, you're saying something very important for those of you, you know, getting out there in sports or, or in business, right? We call it stacking the wins. 
It's like, right, we need to see like, okay, right, I'm doing well. Oh, I'm doing well in this component, right? Yes, I want to put some attention over here on my finishing capability or, right, taking some shots from the penalty mark, right? But at the end of the day, right, I'm watching, okay, right, I'm drawing three defenders. I'm putting seven crosses a, a, a box into the box per game. I'm hitting their outside foot in pressure situation, yeah. what, not turning it over. What, like even reducing your turnover percentage by 50%. So it's all these, all of it is stacking the wins of even having a really great practice session or building relationship with a teammate verbally, non-verbally, that he understands when you're going to, you know, make a run. Yeah. Uh, it's important. We want, we need confidence. We do need to feel good to perform yeah. well yeah. Uh, over a long period of time. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's that piece of it where you take the wins um, and you work on the negatives, right? You work on the losses maybe. But to always note those wins, always note those positives because... I mean, you, like, you could have not had those positives if you're thinking that way, right? So you want to take every positive and move forward with it um, while still being realistic of where you can improve, of course. Yeah. But to get like to never get too low in your lows or too high in your highs is something that uh, one of my coaches said. And Very spiritual quality, yeah. That balance. Uh, I want to hear about UCLA, but first I got to hear about the wild bear. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's my goodness. <laughs> this on a just a normal routine hike, or <laughs> it was, it was one of those moments where you have an opportunity, and you know you weigh the cost benefit analysis, and you know, and you go for it. Um, this was two summers ago, I believe. Um, I was over in Bradbury with one of my friends. Uh, we were driving through Bradbury Hills to visit a friend, and and we see two bears, and they're crossing the road, and we stop for them to cross, and they cross and they go up in into like the forest area, and we realize that they don't keep going; they kind of stop and pause there. And me and my friend had just come from getting cookies; they're called crumble cookies, right? So we had them there. <laughs> oh man! And stuff, yeah. and they looked; they're kind of looking at us, the bears. Um, like they were interested, like they were intrigued. <laughs> they know good cookie creation. <laughs> and one of them, as we stopped, because we didn't keep going, we stopped. One of them comes back down and comes up to the car. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, perfect. He's coming to us. We have an offering to give them. We have the cookies. This can only go, this is going to only go well. Um, so like I said, I weighed the cost benefit analysis. I was like, when am I ever going to be in this scenario again? So as my friend's recording, there's a video of it where he's recording. And then you can hear, because I'm in the passenger side, he's in the driver's seat. He's recording it as it comes up to his side, his window's up for sure. Um, and you can hear the door open and he turns and I'm getting out of the car. And he's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to pet the bear. <laughs> and then he's like, and then he says, he says, here, take the cookies, right? So take something with you. That would be your protection is the offering. Yeah. So I take the cookies out and it's kind of filling me out. It's staying at a distance and I have the cookie and I just kind of hold it out there waiting for him to come to me. And he has the whole recording of it and it slowly inches towards, towards, towards closer and closer. And then it takes it from my hand and backs up and then it eats it. So I'm like, all right, sweet, we're in. They like the cookies and we have more cookies in the car. So 
we move, we park the car, we take the <laughs> cookies out, and then instead of handing it out this time, we kind of put it in front of us. So it has to come all the way up to us. And this time as it comes all the way up to us, it goes down, it reaches, and it gets the cookie, and then I just pet it on its head. <laughs> um, wow. Do not try this at home. <laughs> yes, definitely not. Um, but it, it was a really cool experience um, because it was once in a lifetime. Um, they weren't massive bears, but they were bears nonetheless. And I don't know. It was one of those things where I just I just went for it because I didn't know when I'd be in that scenario. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to create trust and, and yeah. safety and exchange yeah. Uh, with animals, <laughs> what did you learn? <laughs> always, have, always have cookies in your back pocket. <laughs> always have cookies in the car. My goodness, good always. for si- siblings yeah. or wild animals. Absolutely. <laughs> so, what's your favorite song to play on the ukulele? My favorite song to play on the ukulele is um, "It's Perfect" by Ed Sheeran. Um, I'm a big Ed Sheeran fan, so when I learned that that one wasn't too difficult when it comes to the chords, the ukulele, that's my go-to. Um, yeah, it's so much fun to play the ukulele because it's not too more, difficult. Do you play more after a, a tough game or after a good game? <laughs> um, I try not to. Uh, I try not to. <laughs> I try not to base it on that. Right? <laughs> good, good answer. Yeah, just a couple times a week. And tell us about is it as Raphael? I said it, I butchered his name. Leo, 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 Leo. Is he Brazilian? It's Portuguese. Portuguese. Is he? Is he? Tell us what you love about his style. Rafael Leao is he's a very direct player. So you have your players that maybe are more uh, are more key to flares, flicks, things of that nature. Um, but he's very direct. So if he gets the ball, you know what he wants to do with it as soon as he gets it. And if he sees the opportunity to dribble past you, he'll dribble past you. If he sees an opportunity to shoot, he'll shoot. Uh, he's not going to take much time doing it. He's going to do it quickly, and he's going to do it efficiently. Um, <laughs> and I like that because there are many ways to solve problems when you're on the field, but to do so quickly and efficiently is what I try to do most. So when you see him with the ball... And he does what he's going to do, and he mm. does it quickly, um, and he does it efficiently. Like I said, it's, it's so it creates an internal model for how you want to how you want to proceed, how you want to play. Absolutely, yeah. So give us the um, yeah the good stuff. UCLA, they finally came calling. You trusted yourself to enter the portal. Um, what was it like to get the invitation and how is it to be readjusting at, at the highest level? It, it was, like I said, it was a dream come true. Um, when I got the call and I knew that they were interested, I, I cried. Um, I really did because it was a joy like I've yet to experience. Um, because the thing about the transfer portal is you don't know who's interested until you enter it. So that decision to leave San Diego was a massive leap of faith um, in terms of what I felt God was leading me to do and also in my abilities. So, Oh, there's no take-backs. There, there are take-backs, <laughs> but there's, it's conditional. There's you know, some consequences. Right. The school can take away your contract. Um, you can no longer be on the team. So it was definitely a leap of faith by, for sure. Because if no one reached out, I could have I ended my career. But when I got the call and I knew that UCLA was interested along with a bunch of other schools, 
I, like I said, I cried because just the joy and because there's no feeling like that when you take that leap of faith and you're rewarded endlessly like that. Um, so that's a moment that I'll never forget me calling my mom, um, and having my siblings on the other line and me telling them and them all just being happy for me. Um, because they've been there from the club days. Like, you know, they've been there when I was playing AYSO, um, and I could barely keep the ball near my feet. Um, so it was, it was a huge moment that I'll never forget. And now they can be there at halftime delivering you. <laughs> what is it? It's, it's a love note, uh, a, a picture, a heart. Yeah. What is Esther's ingredients there in the, uh, it was, it was go Bruins. I remember that that's in the top <laughs> left corner. She spelled Bruins wrong, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> I know it's Bruins cause she drew a bear mm-hmm. uh, on the side there. Um, it had love Esther at the bottom. It said Oshia, Oshia, or something a couple times on one side of it. Um, I have it hung up on my wall right now, actually. That's a lot of key ingredients. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it comes together very nicely. <laughs> the artistic elements. Uh, but, it, but it's amazing that, that they can be a part of it uh, and be at, be at all the games. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well... Uh, since we're gonna, that's our sign. We need to be wrapping up. Tell our listeners how they can come see you play, how they can follow you on social media. We hope uh, to stay and follow your career. It's a great honor to have you here today, and uh, can't. Hopefully, I'll be there uh, to see success in whatever way it looks like. Uh, but it's just a pleasure to be a part of it. Um, so, whatever way you would like listeners to follow. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Oshia Foster 3, O-S-H-E-A-F-O-S-T-E-R 3. Um, that is where you can see me and keep up with my, my soccer career. Um, or you can follow UCLA Men's Soccer on Instagram to see all the schedule of games, uh, when we'll be playing, where, um, the times and whatnot. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, folks, it's a true honor and privilege to have Oshia Foster here. Check him out. Please come out. Going to a soccer game, I tell you, it's it's more fun than you might think. And uh, my son is now playing abroad in Spain, all from going out to a couple of local UCLA Bruins games. It can be an affordable way to take your family out there. And you may get to see Oshia score his first goal for the UCLA Bruins. Uh, it's a great sport for your kids, great way to stay conditioned and great way to create family bonding. And as you heard, look at all the different elements of yourself that you can incorporate your spiritual self, creative self that can be reinforced and utilized to keep yourself, uh, playing and growing as an individual and as a scholar athlete. Thank you again to Oshia Foster. Thank you to all of you for listening and taking your time with us today and wishing you a great week, no matter where you are. This is Richard, and I'm out.